No, we can't use that one. No. <laughs> don't think that I don't want to make the show. No, we can't we can't let that cat out of the bag. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 28th. Um, as I wrote in the column the other day or yesterday or whenever that was, just right around the corner. It's like right there, just over those trees, around that bend. August will be here. Camp will be here. Friday, Virginia is going to have its last um, I guess conditioning workout of the summer. Um, so it is it is seriously almost football time, which um, is obviously very welcome news to those of us who, who cover sports um, and specifically those of us who have a podcast about uh, sports. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? It's going pretty good. A lot of change. A lot has changed since last podcast, hasn't it? A lot, yeah, um, a lot. A lot of change in the air these days. Who who knew? And I've been saving this one all day, guys. So I better be it better land. I said, who knew? Who knew that the strength of the Big Twelve laid in? Um, God, Mike Mike Gundy's mullet. I really butchered that. Wow. Start over. That was so. Wait. So wait. Let me get this straight. So I was like, all day. Samson's hair. Mike Gundy, everything else. Uh, no, man, yeah. you, the strength was, of the Big Twelve was in the magic mullet, mullet of Mike. In the magic Gundy. mullet. Oh, this whole time, he shaved it off, and they're gone. But yeah, who Dave's on the board at who Dave's on Twitter. We didn't necessarily shave it; he kind of cut it. Um, up and loud, and staff writer Justin Ferber's also back on the program. How's it going, my dude? It's good. I'm not going to try to follow that one after botching <laughs> last week's intro myself. Um, but yeah. Well, it wasn't. Uh, your we're fault, not. Re- we're not recording this anyway, though, right? We're just talking. Yeah. No. But what's really funny though is I actually realized later I messed you up because I said the thing I always say to you to Dave, and then I said the thing I always say to Dave to you, or maybe I actually butchered whatever I said to you. So that thing just getting the ground off the ground was was bad. Uh, can't, it's not nearly as bad as Dave and his whole I've been thinking about this all day situation, but it, it was it was it was rough. Um, but anyway, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I hope they can find some money in that mullet. <laughs> um, at Justin underscore it. Ferber on Twitter, and uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place to in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so let's start with some realignment. Well, actually, no, no. Let's start with all ACC ACC picks from Media Day, since that technically happened last week before college sports changed dramatically in like five days. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about all ACC. Virginia gets picked fifth in the Coastal, um, not too far out of fourth and not too far out of third. The thir- third, fourth, and fifth in that um, voting were pretty, um, you know, pretty lockstep. One, Ferber, how do you feel about Virginia getting picked there? And two, uh, what did you think overall of preseason voting? You can, you can jump into whether it's teams, finishing, players, all ACC, whatever. What did you think of preseason voting as a whole? Yeah, I, I can't really – say a whole lot about the players just because I haven't dug into 
other teams' rosters that much yet. Um, as far as like you know, because if I was putting a team together right now, I'd have to do a bunch of research on who's back and all that kind of stuff. Um, not a bunch of surprises. Like I mean, the names that I saw, I was like, yeah, most of these make sense. Um, as far as the 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 way that the league was picked to finish. I mean, honestly, I didn't really have a lot of issues with it. Um, I think, you know, Clemson, obviously big favorites in the Atlantic. I don't think we need to talk about that too much. Um, the coastal, I think as always will be close. And I think there'll be some parody there and um, it could come down to the end of the season and the winner of the league could have three losses in the league. You know, the winner of the uh, division could have three league losses or two. Um you know, we've seen that kind of thing happen before. I think that's very much in play. Um, but as far as like North Carolina and Miami being considered the favorites, I think that's just logical at this point. Um, there's no reason really to say otherwise. I mean, you can feel pretty good about UVA's outlook, especially on offense, you know, quarterback coming back that may be a little undervalued. Um, a defense that you would think would at least move a little bit back towards average, at least in the secondary. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that where they were picked, was it fifth in, in the coastal? Um, yeah, they were, they had 540 votes, um, or points rather. Um, and then Pitt had 576 and then tech and third had 582. So it was a sizable gap between first and second and then down to tech. And yeah. Third. Three through five is sort of like a mix, right? So yeah. and that's, yeah. that's a good point. Actually. I think right now, if it was me, um, I think North Carolina and Miami is relatively close in terms of who's better. Um, I certainly understand the North Carolina picks. Um, I would understand Miami picks as well. Then that drop-off, and I don't know how big the drop-off really is to that middle class of UVA, Tech, and Pitt, um, or at least that's how I kind of see it. I also wouldn't be too surprised if Georgia Tech sort of like joins that group. Um, I don't know if they're going to be like good enough to – even come close to contending for the title of, you know, the division title, but I think they could win some games um, and maybe like frustrate a team in the groups above them with, by beating them. Um, Duke, I think will be bad. Like, I, I just think they're not going to be good. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think UVA and tech specifically could go one or, you know, could go one way or the other. Um, Pitt, I think is just purely like middle of the road. Um, I think UVA or Tech could. I think if Tech competed for the title, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be as big of a surprise as UVA, just given what the two teams bring back and all that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if UVA is like still in the hunt, at least in the division deep into the season. All right, Dave. Before before I go off on this whole first place vote situation, um, how, what do you think of um, of the All ACC and preseason voting, where where do you do you agree with with Virginia being fifth? What do you think? I'm a homer. I mean, I'd like to see him higher, but look, you it's I know our team like just I know our team better than the others. That doesn't mean they're they're better than the other. I just know more of the players. Um, obviously, you return you know returning a quarterback, which you know as a Virginia fan, it's not always been something we're used to saying. So, um, but so do the other teams that are that are good. Um, I mean, I'd say of that top five he just listed, I mean, Tech probably has the most uncertain quarterback situation. But, you know, he was – Burmeister was playing pretty good at the end of the year. Um, obviously good enough to to take us to town. So – and Pickens went back for, what, year 12 or something. So um, David Hill still probably voted him preseason player of the year. I didn't check. Um, but, yeah, it's 
it's going to be close. I mean, I don't think you can get upset. The votes were, you know, it was pretty close voting. And, um, you know, it's likely going to come down to who wins the head-to-head matchups between those teams. I mean, I do think if I had to put money on a team, like I would lean a little bit more towards Miami and then Carolina uh, just because I don't – Carolina is a team built on the offense. I don't expect their offense to be as explosive this year with the pieces they're replacing, um, which means their defense needs to step up. Um, and having a team that's kind of been offense-oriented have to lean on the defense a little bit historically doesn't always work. And I think Miami's got some pieces to make a run, but um, I wouldn't really want to put my money on either one of them. But I expect one of those two to finish at the top in the Atlantic. I mean, I'm a little surprised there's not, no question about Clemson. I mean, they're replacing some pretty good dudes. And obviously, I had the same thought. Got, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there were any other team, like if it was Clemson pre first national championship, I don't think it would have been that big of a gap. They, they get a little bit of credit and they deserve it. I mean, we, you know, UVA kind of gets out on the basketball side a little bit now. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously they've got talented players replacing them. Like I think NC State could be really good, but can they be good enough? to win week in and week out and beat Clemson is the question. So, yeah, no mixed surprises. I mean, the biggest surprise for me was someone picking UVA to win the whole thing. Um, yeah, but go on, go, go on Brad. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I also – I thought that, like, Clemson sort of would – before the poll came out, I was like, oh, this could be the year where somebody's like, yeah, maybe Clemson actually doesn't win the division somehow. But then I looked at the division, and I don't like any of those teams to be that good. Um NC State could be good, but I don't think they're like seven and one good, which you you're probably going to have to be. Um, I, but I do think Clemson could. This could be a year where the ACC doesn't have a playoff team, um, depending on what Clemson gets at quarterback. They could, or Clemson could be just as good as they have been. We'll just have to see what happens. All right, I have I have several comments. Okay, now I kind of set this up poorly. On purpose, because I really didn't want them to talk too much about the Atlantic, and they managed to anyway. All right. One, I, I don't have a lot of beef with Virginia being picked fifth. Um, you know, I think if you look around at the other teams, certainly North Carolina and Miami are probably the most talented teams. Carolina has the best player, um, especially the best, demo, you know, the best uh, productive, you know, player. Um, I think De'Aaron King has a really high ceiling, but he didn't really put that out there last year. Um, Sam Howell did. Um and before they clown me, no, he's not a Florida State. Um, I, so I don't have a problem with sort of where the voting was. My, my problem is, okay, one, who were the four people who thought that Georgia Tech's going to win the Coastal? More importantly, who's the one person who thought NC State is not just going to win the Atlantic, but apparently going to win the whole thing? In overall championship voting, Clemson had 125, Carolina at 16, Miami at 3, Virginia had 1, Georgia Tech had 1, and NC State had 1. Folks, I run a site called CavsCorner.com, and for the life of me, in all of my homery homer days, I have never done anything that homery, okay? It, this is worse than somebody voting Brendan Motley Player of the Year that year. This is bad. Speaking of Player of the Year, if you look on the other side, Virginia had its lone um, all-ACC preseason pick was Nick Jackson at linebacker. I thought Chris Glazer had a chance at guard, um, but both um, the kid from Carolina and... Um, the kid from Boston College had those two spots. Anyway, in preseason All-ACC Player of the Year voting, Sam Howell had the most votes far and away, then De'Aaron King. Um, a couple Clemson guys, okay, fine. But then Phil Jerkovic and Zay Flowers, and then some kid from Georgia Tech that I'd never heard of. Now, maybe that's my fault, 
But I'm sorry. It's player of the year. You're not – my only thought is that somebody messed up and inadvertently thought they were choosing, like, player, you know, running back. I mean, my dude – no. that's. I mean, maybe this Gibbs kid comes out and has literally the best season in the history of running backs in the conference, and I'll have to eat a whole lot of crow. But d- who is vo- – who, who did this? This is This is one of those votes that – I mean, I don't get too excited about this stuff anymore, but this is the stuff that really grinds my gears, man. Like, people out there think media people are dumb because of stuff like that. Like, stop it. And who I know I know whoever did it is not ever going to hear me saying these words, but please, for, I just need to put this in the universe. Please, for the love of all things holy, stop doing this. Like, that kid, he doesn't even deserve the scorn. I mean, if your teammates... Found out that, like, you know, you ran for, what was it, like, 400 yards? Like, Brennan Armstrong ran for more yards last year than this dude did, right? His teammates find this out. Like, I'm sorry, they're going to clown him. You know, they're going to be calling him, like, player of the year and stuff, right? Like, that's totally going to happen. And if it's not, then, you know, team culture in the 404 is not as cool as I thought it was. <sighs> okay, I got that. Even more also, it's like, how, I, go ahead. I was gonna, even more ridiculous is the ACC Digital Network, like, put out a video piece and essentially did interviews about every player who got a vote of the year. They had and to, Gibbs right? It's certainly mean there. to not. I mean, that's not yeah, their I mean, fault. But yeah, Gibbs literally like is there. And I'm like, man, like was you know, I know I know Brendan Armstrong isn't like a national name, but good lord. The dude was productive. Well he, he but yeah. Here's a random question for you. If you like let's say I could tell you right now that a UVA player was going to win ACC player of the year this year and it's not going to be Brendan Armstrong, who would you vote for? All right, wait, wait, wait. Say that to me again. Let's say right now I, you could uh-huh. vote for a UVA player to win ACC Player of the Year. Your best uh-huh. guess, and uh-huh. it's not Armstrong. Oh God, I don't even know. Uh, uh, I get Nick Jackson. Yeah, I mean, well, we get. I would say it had to be Noah Taylor because I think he could potentially yeah. be like like fifteen that Isaiah sacks Simmons and like some pick or six or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's Johnny Woods, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, good call. Yes. Now he. Yeah. Now that would be. Interesting. He would I mean, have to be like. He would have to oh, be like man. so good. You, this is like that. Our discussion that time about the kicker and what he would have to do to be the number oh, one yeah, pick yeah. in the draft. Yeah. What do you think a tight end would have to do to win ACC? Other than every quarterback in the league being pretty much awful, right? Um, yeah, what do you that, think a tight end would have, have to do? Well, he'd have to catch like twenty five touchdowns or some yeah, nonsense like ridiculous. that. I mean, because I don't think I'd have to go back and look, but I don't think Kyle Pitts was like in the running for SEC Player of the Year, and he was the I mean, yeah. pick in the draft, dude. He'd have to play both ways, right? They'd have to be like, yeah, but you know what? He also came in and played defensive end, you know? Or like it was like a Tim Tebow quarterback package player or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, or LaVelle Davis heals miraculously and hits the field again. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'd, pro- I'd probably just say <laughs> Lavelle Davis has some sort of bionic leg in place. That's just or as Wicks. likely as I mean, anything else. I'm hoping like week two or like, you remember when we didn't talk about Wicks enough? <laughs> like that guy's good, so. We'll see. And now, now I just now I'm just trying to I'm trying to come guy. up with the I'm trying to come up with the stat line that a tight end would need For to have end. in order to win. I mean, what if he caught like what if he caught like 45 passes for like oh, 23 touchdowns and like 800 yards? Even then, I think you're you're. I mean, that's like a good receiver, not a great. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Uh, he, okay, and his team also. He he was an integral blocker and had a massive blocking grade for the yeah. best rushing offense in the league. Right. Yeah, I mean, Virginia had, would have to like, like run the ball like crazy, and he'd have to score. It's not only touchdowns, like big touchdowns and big games. 
Yeah, and he'd have yeah. to have like a crazy like Hail Mary touchdown catch where he like ran over 10 guys or something like that. And he still wouldn't win because it's UVA. They would just vote for like, you know, the Eric King or whatever. I'd like to record a look back on that when we're like, remember we didn't know? And this is what he actually did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk, let's talk expansion. Um or I guess is it really expansion? I guess it is. It's realignment. Okay, fine, whatever. All right. So the SEC is going to grow by two at least. Um, my guess is not more, because why would you split the huge pot of money among more than you have to? Um the <laughs> News broke. News broke tonight that I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Um, I just find the whole thing humorous. Uh, news came tonight that the commissioner of the Big Twelve, who signs his name like a five year old, um, I mean he doesn't have that many T's in his name. I'm sorry. Um, he he sent a cease and desist letter. The Big Twelve did to ESPN for conspiring uh, against the Big Twelve to get Big Twelve teams to leave for the American, um, and. I mean, he's very he's very upset about this, which I I appreciate. Like, hey, your conference is getting raided. Um, you know, you 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 thought everything was cool, and 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 then they were like, hey, well, you know what, we're gonna dip. Um, so I get it. That's that's t- a tough look for my guy, but at the same time, welcome to the world of business. Um, th- wasn't the Big Twelve like thirty seven seconds ago trying to get teams to come to the Big Twelve? Wasn't that like the rumor? Not that long. Yeah, ago? I think they, if I remember correctly. They actually had them like do proposals or like audition. Basically, uh, I mean, obviously you're not auditioning, but you know, like tell, like give their pitch, uh, like Shark Tank, <laughs> and then they decided not to expand, which in retrospect was a colossal blunder. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Um, so I, this is the part where I point everybody to Ferber's excellent uh, seven takeaways article this morning um, that kind of blew up a little bit. Um, Ferber hadn't written, hadn't like really written, written, written stuff like for real, for real. And like, he's like, he's like kind of back in the saddle now. And like the the first thing he writes, like blows up. I hate you so much. Um, But so Ferber did a really good job of kind of looking at this all from the, from the ACC's point of view and sort of not just the options that are out there. So I don't want to rehash everything that Ferber wrote because it was a really well um, laid out and explained um, piece. But I do want to kind of talk a little bit about just sort of the ramifications um, at least in terms of the psyche of fans, um, I saw something on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, but somebody was essentially saying, "Like, look, I, I I've already kind of been out on college sports for a little while, and this is only making making it worse." And I started thinking about that, and I was thinking about when you when you get a, when you did away with rivalries and it no longer feels the same, and now you're not playing the schools as often. Um, that one of the things that really stood out to me about 2020 is that without fans in the stands, without that energy in the buildings and energy in the stadiums and stuff, that like it just didn't feel the same, right? And that was not something I expected going into it. I expected it to be different. I did not expect it to be so different. And I expected it didn't, it, it wouldn't even feel the same, right? I just thought it would be um, quieter, right? It, and the more I've thought about that in this context, the idea of like Texas is in the SEC, like that just doesn't make any sense. I'm still not used to Texas A&M being in the SEC. I'm not used to Nebraska being in whatever conference Nebraska's in now. Um, frankly, I'm still at times not really used to Syracuse and Pittsburgh being in the ACC. For some reason, Tech feels like they should be there, but that's probably because of proximity from where I live and where I grew up, right? And it's been 17 years now. Yeah, but but even but that's my point, right? Is that like all of, some of these changes have been years and years and years in the making, and it doesn't feel normal yet, and. 
for for somebody who's come to ACC football or SEC football or Big Twelve football or whatever, Pac you know Pac ten to Pac twelve football, um, you know somebody who's come to those sports in the last decade or whatever, you know these changes they were the way they were, right? So I get that like if you have a a significant amount of experience in these things, it feels different. But the idea of Oklahoma playing Alabama on a random Saturday. Like that sounds great, but it also just feels weird. And you guys have, have talked about this a lot in our in our text thread. And so I want to open it up here. Why do we have conferences? What's the point of a conference? Um, because the more I think about it, if we're not going to have the rivalries and we're not going to have the tradition and stuff, and we're just going to have like these mega group, they're essentially just groups of schools, right? Conferences didn't never felt like a group of schools. Now it feels like groups of schools. Dave, why do we have conferences and should we get rid of them? I have no idea. I mean, look, I, I'm trying not to play grumpy old man about all this because there's a part of me that thinks it's cool, right? Like I like discussing the possibilities. Um, but I, mean, I think if you just want to, to me, like one of the easiest ways to, to kind of, you know, conceptualize how fast this whole thing has moved is think about when the ACC first talked about expansion and how important academics were. And now I'm like, let's please get West Virginia and to join Louisville, you know? Um, just so we don't disappear completely. And then I'm like, well, what does it matter if we disappear completely? Um, I mean, look, at some point, look, I mean, we're obviously, we're prisoners of the moment. We're looking at what it means right now, what it, you know, when it happens. Um, but the thing that kind of hit me today, like, it was, what is, what does college sports look like 15 or 20 years from now? Um, I mean, look, I, I know, like, they basically tried to tell you, like, the fan in the stance really doesn't mean that whole, mean that much to, you know, the ultimate money the conference is going to make. You know, the individual schools care about that. But even that, when these TV deals get so big, even the fan, you know, the fan, you know, ticket sales don't really move the needle for football um, too much. So, it, I mean, I think you nailed it, the, the whole rivalry piece. I mean, I'm just thinking about my childhood and how I became college football fan like yeah look great it's going going to see uva play because i could see them on tv as often um obviously the kids now don't have to go to see them play but they still go um but i think you're going to have a good percentage of kids you know especially once you're into sports when they're in school like if virginia is playing in north carolina down the road or you know they might jump in the car and go to that game if virginia is good and they'll have an experience on the road which as you guys can attest to to me is where your fandom gets born. Like rooting for your team in another team's arena. That's where fandom is. But so how do you do that? If your schools are now spread out four States wide, um, certainly it doesn't matter for your rich boosters, but those rich boosters started out as that kid who got the bug. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like, are my kids going to care, care about college sports 20 years from now? Because it's essentially becoming professional even if the payers, players aren't paid. I mean, the SEC is halfway to having the NFL, right? I mean, you know, they've got 16 teams after this expansion and doesn't sound like they're locked into 16. And if they can get more and make more money, I don't think any of us would put any money that they won't do that. Um, so it's just, yeah, I don't know what the end game is. And, you know, with the, back to the original question, the conference is, other than the non-revenue you know, non sports, I don't see the, point other than to have someone else to point to as a reason you're failing um 
and I don't I don't know what the end game is uh, other than the conference like over expanding or the SEC just getting so watered down now that its teams aren't good. Um, I doubt that'll happen, but <laughs> I'm just trying to you know, think of a negative connotation for all this expansion. Um, but as long as the money's there, the people that make the decisions, you know, are, are going to be driven by it. So it's, I, I don't know where, we, what it looks like from now, but we're already getting to a point where the football is going to be, I mean, it's hard to imagine another conference putting up, you know, in the next five to 10 years, at least being able to build a, a football resume that's going to equal what the SEC is going to put on the field. Uh, obviously the big 10 would be the closest, but that's largely based on Ohio state, you know, um, you know, ACC has got Clemson, but I mean, SEC is just so deep um, and getting deeper. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's frustrating. I mean, it's, there's a part of me that thinks it's cool, but it, it's also just, it's frustrating because I don't know what, what it's doing to the long-term health of college, college sports. And, you know, we, we talk about football, but how do you, how do you support like your non-revenue athletes if they need to travel from, you know, you know, if you're, I'm trying to think of one without offending anyone, but let's say, say your tennis team is, you know, in Austin, Texas, and you got to go to, you got a match in Florida one week and Georgia the next, and you're back to Texas. Like, I mean, those teams normally travel by bus, you know, or they're going to be flying yeah. them all around too. So, but don't those teams also already travel to certain other schools? I mean, they do know? because we've had the expansion already. Um, yeah, I think once you're, but we once also, that- you know, just think back to last year, like how many schools, like literally a year ago, how many schools were cutting programs and now we're expanding? Well, I think, okay, so let's, it's just let's so take weird. a step back. Let's take well, a I step think back. that's a reaction to what you just said pretty much. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. Let's take Funny a step grab. back. And, and I think that there's, there's, there's two different trains here, right? On the one hand, you, you've got the, the college sport aspect, right? I think we would be naive if we didn't at least discuss the fact that a lot of these TV revenues that, that they are the driver, not just for the football programs, but for athlete, you know, athletic departments as a whole. Now, not every athletic department is as swole as Stanford's or UVA's or Carolina's or whoever, right? Some of these programs are not as, um, you know, as varied. Um, but just like with the smaller schools that have to play the, the big schools, get those paydays so they can make, you know, kind of keep the lights on, so to speak. A lot of these teams, they do actually need that revenue. And one of the things I think that that kind of came out of the pandemic was people looking around and going, "Okay, how can we make more money? Because when when this thing didn't happen, uh, we took a huge hit. So we got to not only make up that, but we got to get excitement back and we got to figure, you know, we got to figure out how to get this thing really restarted. I, I think it would be naive to think that last season did not play a significant part uh, in why Texas and Oklahoma want to leave. Um, I, I think that there are a, a you know, a multitude of reasons, um, you know, but if I, if I could drop a bug in your ear, right? Like think about one revenue from, from ESPN. I mean, this is, all right, let me rephrase. This is almost a situation where both sides need it to happen, right? College sports needs bigger TV deals in order to survive in a lot of ways, right? Because people aren't going to games as much. I, I don't know what the state of giving is, but I know that you're trying your best to make sure that you maximize how much you can bring in, right? But on the flip side, ESPN really needs the best games, right? We're talking about a situation where there's cord cutting. Obviously, a lot of people would love to get ESPN off of their 
um, their cable subscription, right? There are lots of people who are cutting cable because of they don't. There's a lot of stuff on there they don't want, and they'd much rather pay for the things that they actually do. Um, so as many people as they can get to be interested, the, that's that's good for their carriage fees, right? Um, case in point, you know, we talked about Jim Phillips the other week. Was that last week? Gosh, that feels like a lifetime ago. Um, you know, we talked about the you know the new commissioner and talking about getting on Comcast and you know how much how important that was for the ACC. I mean, you have a you have a dominant cable distributor in the footprint who for an entire season hasn't uh, put the games on, right? Two seasons has not put the games on, right? Um, and they don't seem particularly that, you know, upset about it, right? ESPN needs these, you know, ESPN needs the teams to come in and make the SEC deal to keep ESPN going. Um, I saw this thing the other day, and I'm not sure how real it is or what would happen to ESPN if Disney decided to sell them. But, I mean, there's a whole lot more beyond just like, oh, you know, is Texas going to play Texas A&M again now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot more in the business sense um, that's going on in this. But let me back it up further. In terms of, you know, when you when you kind of laid this thing out, I thought you did a really good job of not just explaining sort of what the ACC is facing, but also the the sort of bleakness of options, Right. If this was musical chairs, there aren't a whole lot of chairs left. And the chairs that are there are probably not going to support you, right? The one chair, the big chair, the easy-to-sit-in chair that's nice and comfy is Notre Dame. Now, I need to get this off my chest before I turn this over to you. I don't understand, like, why everybody hates them so bad. I don't like Notre Dame, never, but I don't hate them. And, I mean, like, there's just this constant, like, especially among ACC folks, it's like, there's this like pit in everybody's stomach anytime you mention them and then people get like, you know, you know, just just full of like anger and vigor and stuff. And you're like, whoa. And look, I would be more than happy to let Notre Dame in the ACC if it meant that the ACC schools were going to have a much bigger payday and that that would be better for the league and, you know, would help survivability. Because at the end of the day, I grew up in the ACC and I want to stay there. Right. So Ferber, absent of. <laughs> Absent of the SEC deciding to say, you know what, we're, we're actually going to donate some money to the other conferences so everybody else can play too. Um, where do you think this is headed, right? Because it certainly feels like to me the ACC has got to do whatever it can to get Notre Dame in. And trying to add, you know, maybe West Virginia or Cincinnati or whoever, ultimately you're just cutting now, you're cutting pieces of a pie that's not big enough. And I don't know how much that actually helps. What do you think happens at this point? What's your, what's your gut tell you? Um... I will say that the short story would be the ACC adds Notre Dame at some point during this TV deal that they have sooner rather than later would be ideal. Or they get really good at football outside of Clemson. Like Florida state becomes like a national power and like Miami comes back and all this, you know, like they, the conference becomes more relevant than ever, um, which seems unlikely. Um, Or, by the end of the contract, the ACC will not be what we know it as now. Um, I think that, you know, the ball is totally in Notre Dame's court. They have all the leverage in the world. Um, and I don't think it's like you can just call them up and be like, come on, like, come over, because they could have done that whenever they wanted to. Um, I, I think you have to find a way, and I know it, it's not fair necessarily, but that's how it works you have to sort of find a way to make them make it worth it for them, whatever that means. Um, whether that means they get to keep part of like their NBC money and then the ESPN redoes the ACC deal. Um, 
and you know with Notre Dame in um if Notre Dame gets to maybe pick the 16th team if they wanted to expand it to two more teams um I think that would be fine um whatever it is or obviously like it becomes much harder for them to get into the college football playoff um as an independent which as of now it doesn't look like it's heading that way in fact it might be going the other way if they expand to 12 um if they play their independent schedule and and win all their games or go 11 and 1 like they have been the last few times they've made the playoff then they'll get in the playoff they'll be one of the top 12 teams so you know for them they're like what's our problem with being independent and and their athletic director after their one season in the ACC a few weeks ago said that that season in the ACC may have actually made their fan base more entrenched with being independent because they saw, you know, like the, I wrote this in the piece. Um, I don't know what their schedule was off the top of my head, but they played in all ACC schedule. And for them, it was not as ideal as their normal schedule. And obviously in a real year, you would still play four non-conference games. So um, what we saw this year, wasn't really quite a real, what a real Notre Dame ACC schedule would look like but you get you get the idea that it didn't like they weren't like yeah this was great sign us up right now um and they still made the playoff despite not winning the ACC um but yeah i think that that's the ACC's option because you know there is no i wrote this in the piece there is no move the ACC can make outside of that that is even in the ballpark of what the SEC just did um and i'm not saying you have to match them but you probably do need to get a new TV deal because it's only a matter of time before and this is probably already happening to be quite honest with you, a school like Clemson is looking at what the sec is getting in money and is like, we're going to get left behind. You know, we're competitors with these teams for the top spots in the nation, but also locally for recruiting, all that stuff. We can't afford to be left too far behind. Let's get some lawyers in a room and figure out how we can get out of this. If we get the opportunity. Um, I don't think that I'm not saying that's coming like next year. The, the grant of rights is basically holding the ACC together, but over the next 15, 17 years, whatever it is of the contract, they're going to fall further and further behind if they can't redo that deal. And adding a team allows them to redo that deal. Adding West Virginia doesn't do anything for you by themselves because you're, they're not going to pay for themselves, so to speak, and you're going to end up with less money per school. So nobody's doing that. So it's really Notre Dame. And, and then the other pipe dream, I've seen people say like Penn State and stuff like that. Nobody's going to leave one of these leagues where they're making way more money than the ACC deal unless they know something that we don't about the ACC deal. Maybe they're coming with Notre Dame, and that's just not realistic. Like Vander, and, and people said, like, oh, Vanderbilt's a perfect ACC school. They're not. They, they don't. What do they bring to the table? Um, yeah, they're good academically, but like that, that, that stuff, like, and that's another thing. My last point on this. Academics aren't a complete non-factor, but if you think that they won't let West Virginia in because of academics, if it comes down to like, that's what the ESPN wants them to do. You're just fooling yourselves. Like they took Louisville. Louisville is not like the worst school in the world, but they're certainly not an academic power. And they took them over schools like UConn that were ranked higher in the uh, college rankings. So, you know, it's purely not an academic decision at this point. And as far as like the point of conferences and all that, I think for basketball, it's a different thing. So like for basketball, I think the ACC identity is something you wouldn't want to lose going to Cameron, going to Chapel Hill, playing those teams at home. Like that's important for football. I don't think it really matters that much. Um, and, and for UVA, I think, you know, if you stay, you can stay in the ACC until it 
gets absorbed by other leagues or maybe they add Notre Dame, but um, unless they redo their TV deal and get more competitive, the facilities are going to get even more behind. You're going to be, have a harder time getting recruits. Um, if the SEC and big 10 start picking off more teams in your area, it's going to be even harder to get recruits. Um, and eventually you'll be a second. I mean, obviously they're not a national title contender now, but even the prospect of competing in your league becomes dubious if, if you continue to let things sort of go this way. So, but things can change. I mean, Texas a few years ago was like saying, we'll never join the SEC because like we care about academics. We're, you know, the, people were talking about them going to the Pac-12 and, you know, look what's happening now. Sometimes the, <clears throat> sometimes the universe sort of speaks, right? Mm-hmm. And money talks. <laughs> that's very true. Um, Dave, I, I was getting ready to, to segue to a different part of this conversation. Did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, it's just a question for you guys. And like, look, we talked about a little bit on our text thread. You know, because obviously Texas A&M voted tonight fourteen nothing to basically favor the expansion already. After like we, we saw from them last week, which means they've gotten word how much more money they're going to get. You know, um, so we did the math. So basically, you know, just taking a guess when the SEC and ESPN redo that deal, we're talking upwards of half a billion dollars a year. It's what they'll be paying the SEC. Billion right? with a B. Yeah, so five hundred million, <laughs> half a billion, right? Here's my problem: if you're the other conferences and you're negotiating with ESPN, what incentive does ESPN have to pay you when they've got a half a billion tied up in those sixteen teams? They're not going to want to put them on at eleven a.m. on a Saturday. They're going to want every one of their primetime slots on ABC, ESPN, ESPN two to be filled up by the the half billion dollar investment they have, right? So, I mean, isn't there like? I don't see any other networks running to offer that kind of money. Um, and I think that's probably where some of the panic is coming from, you know, the big 12 you're seeing tonight. And that's kind of where my worry lies. Like how can you match that? If no one's willing to pay it, you can't match it. Um, and you certainly are not going to pay. If you, let's say you're CBS trying to get back in the game, you know, get some games on CBS, CBS net sports network or whatever. You're not going to be able to put that kind of money, and you're certainly not going to put it towards the ACC um, and try to run your games against Texas, against Alabama, or OU Alabama. You know, um, right? So that that in itself makes the whole you know economics of this a little concerning for me as a fan outside of that footprint. Um, yeah, and and maybe yeah. Look, we, we always joke that it's you know we never really have a chance to win a national title, so it's not about that, but it's just about you know there you do see teams get good and maybe have a puncher's chance to you know to to make someone uncomfortable. Um, that just gets harder like this, and you know other sports suffer and your teams suffer and conferences have to change. So yeah, I, I just can't figure out the economics of it when you've got that much money tied up in one conference. Yeah, I think that's definitely a factor. Um, but I also think ESPN has the money, and they don't care. And and I, I think the ACC provide. Th- this is one of the reasons people are like, why wouldn't they? You know, like I've seen they could just do like a twenty team league. Sure, they could. But I think that college. One of the appeals of college football to networks is is just the pure um, content. There are so many games every weekend, and every game you can advertise, like. I just think that there's it's the same reason that like the NBA and MLB don't want to like cut down on the number of games. Like the the ESPN would be like, 
sort of putting all their eggs in one basket. And maybe, maybe you do, be, but the more you do that, you might risk it losing interest because you're losing interest from all these other fan bases that maybe just check out of the sport altogether. Um, I think that they want to have a, a sport that is healthy enough, at least at the power five level to where they can put on games all day long, all Saturday, Thursday night, Friday night, bowl games and collect a bunch of money. I don't think they would offer um, the ACC anything near what the SEC got. Um, but I think that, but they would need to to make it feasible to even justify adding more teams. Right. Yeah. I mean, they like, have which to, gets back to that original argument. Well, I think they'd have I, to give the ACC something comparable to what the SEC is doing now. Yeah. Like where it's like, you know, th- that way, you know, you're paying for themselves. The schools are making more money. Everybody's happy. And you're not, see, it's not just about like, oh, the schools need to make a little bit more money to make it worth it, which is a big thing. It's also like you have to, if you're the ACC, you're looking ahead and saying, what do we need to do to keep the teams that we have in the league? Like, because if it's like, oh, it's $2 million more a year to add Notre Dame, then it's like, cool. But that's not going to stop Clemson and Florida State from wanting to leave in five years. Um, so, you know, and, and I think the last thing on this for me on this point is UVA fans, like you're in a pretty good spot as far as like attractiveness of the school and the brand, not the best spot but a pretty good spot compared to some teams like, like wake forest. If the AC falls apart is totally screwed. Like they, they, they are just going to have to drop out of power five football. Um, NC state, not in a great spot. Like Pitt, not in a great spot. Louisville, not in a great spot. UVA is in a better spot than a lot of those schools because of a lot of factors. If push comes to shove, you know, and, and like the big 10 comes calling in five, six years when grant of rights is a little bit closer to ending. They should listen if the ACC hasn't made any changes because at that point it's going to be about the survival of your athletic department and your football program. Um, and yeah, you probably won't get to go down to Raleigh every few years, but it's better than just completely fading into oblivion, which is about to happen to the Big Twelve unless or unless they make some major major changes. Because without Texas and Oklahoma in that league, they're they're nothing. Like they don't have a who's the focal point of that league that. I saw projections for ESPN. They were saying their TV value. I think they get like 30 something million per team. Now they said, if ESPN redoes that deal without Texas and Oklahoma, it's going to be single digits. It's going to be like $7 million. So it's like, at that point, you're, you're just like the Sun Belt. <laughs> like, you know, you might as well just give it up. And so that's why they're scrambling. Um, but I think for UVA, it's like, you can hang on to tradition and all that stuff all you want, but eventually and I'm not saying, you know, you have to be excited to go to Indiana, but it's better than not playing at all, like at the level, the, the highest level of the sport. Yeah, I mean, that's where I was kind of going is the idea of like, okay, well, what if the Big Ten came calling and such and such? I think one of the things you have to be mindful of if you're a college sports fan looking at this entire situation is that that there are multiple sort of cooks in the kitchen, right? ESPN, the reality is is that people don't watch their – non-live sport programming the way they used to there's a reason why that the the constant yelling that why that's because that's the thing that will sometimes catch people that you know who 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 at least will pay attention to drama right but realistically their non-live sport programming does not generate the same interest as anywhere close to what it did including their like recap shows right sports center just is not what it was in the internet era um, I wish somebody would explain to the Olympics that the internet exists. Um, but beyond live sports, ESPN doesn't have a lot to really hang its hat on, um, you know. And so 
they need to lock up as much as, as they can. They saw an opportunity here with Texas and Oklahoma, which are huge brands with huge followings. Um, you know, there's the whole ad, you know, idea that like, you know, it, that essentially ESPN owes Texas some certain amount of money still in the Longhorn Network, so Texas could use that money to pay off the um, the the early exit fee essentially from the Big Twelve, and so then ESPN could actually you know sort of repay Texas for that using uh, the new co- contract with S- with the SEC and such. Like a lot of this is because ESPN just has to have live sports. That's it, and. Credit to Jimmy Pataro and the folks over there because this was an opportunity for them to take, you know, huge brands away from a competitor and put them back on ESPN airwaves. Um, at the same token, like we can look at it in the larger context of college sports. Um, but I also think that one of the reasons they like conferences is because then you keep them somewhat separate and that does drive some interest in the championship, right? One of the problems that the SEC as a as it as it you know projects to look is that that league essentially could have, I mean, Clemson, who are serious national title contenders be, that are not in the SEC then, right? Now, granted, Texas has not been, you know, to that level in, you know, anything resembling recent years, but Oklahoma sure has, right? So it's it's Clemson and Ohio State. Anybody else out there that consistently puts a national title team on the, on the field, right? ESPN controls... Obviously, Clemson is the ACC, and then you got obviously the Big Ten Network and everything. I would imagine ESPN would do everything it could to, to to try to get Ohio State too, right? Because ultimately, like think of think of they are like the Yankees used to be, right? You had a really good player in some small market, you knew the Yankees were going to come and offer them a big contract, and then that dude was going to go play for the Yankees. Like that was just the way it was going to roll. Um, I think they like conferences, but ultimately, if all of the best teams are in the same conference and they're playing every week, you've essentially turned every week into the playoff. Well, it doesn't have the same feel. My question is, is then are you not just kind of not just watering down the brand of college football, but you're sort of killing it, right? One of the things that you liked about the SEC was that it was on CBS and, you know, you had the the voices that you got used to and you had the sights and sounds, right? You had Nayland Stadium and you had the... Um, you know, had the Gator, um, you had the swamp and you had the, you know what I'm saying? Like you had these things and now it's like, Oh, you're just going to wake up one morning and watch Texas and Oklahoma in the sec. Like that sounds weird. Like, and that's just one of those things. Like, are you, are you more or less likely to watch because they're in the same conference? I mean that their fans might watch, but the casual fan, maybe not. And certainly not fans of other people of other conferences that, you know, think you're the devil. Um, but the bottom line is all about rights, right? It's all about being able to control where everybody is and whose airwaves they're on. And, um, you know, the ESPN is doing its best to look out for itself. And I know that for a lot of people, the four letter network is the absolute epitome of evil and they are the enemy, but you know, right now they are the, they're the ones who have the, the place to put everybody, um, and to do it well. Um, so, I mean, I don't know, man, I, the whole thing, it, it does it does feel like we're on the cusp of something that's not just like, oh, we're gonna take some random teams and stick them in the ACC. We do it does feel like we're on the cusp of something, you know, truly like ridiculous, like an outlandish, like uh, schools decide to basically pull away from the NCAA or something like that. Um, I don't know what that next thing is, but I know that it's gonna surprise us just like this thing did. 
And we're all going to be sitting there one day going, oh, man, this is really happening, huh? Because like that doesn't sound like a denial. Um, and we'll, we'll all sort of go from there. Um, one other thing before we wrap up this week. Um, in terms of, I don't know if I, I, I mentioned the Big Ten. I don't know if we got anybody's um, full opinion. Let's say Notre Dame says, you know what? We're never, ever going to a conference. We're always going to be independent. Okay, cool. Um, Dave, what would have to happen for you to be okay with UVA going to the Big Ten? One thing. Virginia just, just Tech one doesn't. Thing? Just one. Oh, yeah, wow. Virginia Tech doesn't go to the SEC. Wow. Just throw it out there. All right. Give no, me I mean, some, that, I'm not give me some more mouth like, words. No, no. I mean, Look, I'm I'm perfectly fine with the Big Ten because I, I mean I trust the leadership of Virginia and I know they're they're not going to want to leave the ACC if they don't have to. Um, so the Big Ten is fine with me, but like they're like I the thought of Virginia choosing the Big Ten and and Virginia Tech ended up in the SEC like that I can't stomach because they wouldn't be in a position to do either if we weren't forced to pull them with us, right? Um, I mean, if we're both in the Big Ten, fine. Both in the SEC, fine. But if we go there and they go to the SEC, I'd be tipped. All right, Ferber, what about you? What's the what would have to happen? Um, well, I think you, you kind of hit it. Um, I think Dave's point, and I actually remember talking to Dave about this last. Was it? It might have actually even been before the Texas Oklahoma thing. Um, and we were saying like, would you rather be in the SEC or the Big Ten? All things considered, <laughs> like if that you had an offer. And I was like, the SEC, probably just because money and then football, like, even if UVA is not that good in the SEC at football, like, the games would be, like, the it would be so much fun to go to those games. Like, um, those teams always travel. The weather would be better. Good for baseball. Basketball would be fine. Um, you know, you, your recruiting would probably take, take a big step up. And then I, we were talking about tech. And I was like, would you rather be SEC or big? And and Dave said what he just said. And I was also like, yeah, but what if Tech was in the like the Big Ten? It's like, oh, I'd rather go to the SEC then. Um, <laughs> exactly. But also, like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge factor, obviously. If, if Notre Dame says, we're never joining the ACC, I would go to Jim Phillips and be like, what's your plan? And if he doesn't have a really good one, I'd be looking around right now, like 2021. I'd be like, let's try to figure something out. And I'm not saying you leave right now, but you get some lawyers in a room and you say, look at this grant of rights, see if there's a way out of it. Because, I mean, I've seen some people, and I'm not trying to say these people are 100% right, um, but I've seen some people speculate that, like, in theory, state universities, it's hard to sue them in court and all kinds of stuff like that. I'm not saying that means the grant of rights is worthless, but I would be... Yeah, I mean, like, if there was a report that came out tomorrow that said that Notre Dame has officially said they will never join a conference... I'd be like, UVA needs to find a solution to that now. Like, um, because like you said, I don't know. I mean, maybe eventually conferences are like 24 teams deep. Um, at that point, it's basically just like an NFL league, you know, more than a conference. Um, but yeah, I would be looking for a life raft out because UVA, like I said, they're not in the worst spot, but they're not in a spot where you're like, oh, they're going to have a home no matter what in one of these two big leagues. Um, you know, the SEC, they don't have that maybe the academic focus that would put UVA a little bit higher than Tech on their pedestal. Tech obviously has a bigger alumni base. Um, I think it's fair to say their football program is better supported. Um, they're not that far from Tennessee. 
I could see the SEC wanting them more. The Big Ten, I think, would probably want UVA more because of the AAU association. Um, and I, I think, honestly, if one of the two teams was going to get be given an offer like first from one of these two leagues, I think UVA would probably get it um, from the Big Ten. And And it's tricky, though, because like, State legislatures don't always want to let you out of these things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it can it can be tough. And, and North Carolina and Duke and NC State are kind of in the same situation. So I think that's sort of why we're at a stalemate in the grant of rights, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I think that it, it, if all things considered, UVA was like, hey, the ACC isn't viable anymore, and the Big Ten was like, come on down, I, I would support the move. Um Yes, it would it would not be as fun playing Indiana in football as it is to play North Carolina, um, assuming North Carolina doesn't go with you. But whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about survival at this point. And um, you still – like, you'll find new rivalries. Like, it'll be fun going up to Penn State. You'll get the Maryland thing back, um, that sort of stuff. Same with the SEC. You'll find some things there. Basketball would be pretty good. I'd be for it. The only problem is you, the winner, like, you kind of lose – baseball um would kind of lose in that situation but um yeah i think uva would be an attractive fit and i think that conference would fit uva pretty well um i would prefer the sec if if i had the choice (laughs) um but that's a selfish like football sort of preference um here's here's my thought process on this which is that we keep talking about survival and life rafts and things and i'm I'm certainly not going to make the argument that if teams were to bolt the acc that the ACC would just, you know, be okay. But I do want to think about like what there has to what there has to be is some other thing beyond just the SEC. One, if Clemson and Florida State were to leave, at this point, can the SEC su- support them? Maybe, probably. But who else can can be supported, right? So maybe the Big 10 could, you know, poach off a couple of this and that. There will be something left, and the question is not is it, it's not necessarily whether you want to stay where you are or go. It's whether or not you want to go or be left to sort of figure out what the where you are ultimately is. You know what I mean? Like it's not like a, a group of you know ten schools, you know, without you know Florida State, Clemson, um, Virginia Tech, and somebody else. Like it's not like those schools aren't going to still have a conference, right? And ESPN's going to want to put them on TV too, right? Like that that piece of it won't change. What will change is the way that the the leagues are seen, right? I mean, everybody already understands that the SEC has the best football and kids want to play football in the SEC. But if when you start talking about this, basically make it into a super league, right? Uh, that 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 will change, right? There the the that gap will grow. And what does that mean for your ability to get? you know, good players and to get to keep good coaches and to raise money for facilities and all that kind of stuff. But listen, there are other divisions, there are other groups of, you know, sports beyond just, you know, the top, right? Those schools, those divisions, those conferences, like they exist, right? So my point here is not like that's a good thing, like, oh, you're gonna jettison your two biggest brands in the league and, and you'll be happy. No, no, that's not my point. My point is like you kind of have to decide between what you what you could have and what you're left with, and which one and, the, and in the calculus of of handling those two uh, options, like what matters most to you, 
Um, certainly, like I said, if some schools left the ACC, the ACC would be different, but the ACC would still exist, especially now that it looks like, you know, you're talking about some sort of collapse of the Big 12. Um, ultimately, as I said earlier, ESPN wants to put football games on TV. They clearly want to own the brands of the best football programs, but they still need other football programs to play those programs, right? Like they still need as many teams under their umbrella as they can. Essentially, ESPN has turned into a big tent. They want as many teams as they can be under that tent so they can have the content and they have that inventory to put out on Saturday and on Monday and on Thursday and God knows what other other day, right? Um, and so I, I don't think that it's a binary sort of thing, right? I do think that if, the, if Virginia decided, you know what, uh, Jim doesn't have a plan on how to, get the, how to get Notre Dame, but we want to be one of the schools in the ACC – long term like this is where we want to stay I, I don't think that that's it's not the best option but it is an option the question is the calculus of like why you think that that's you know uh why you think that's the, the move you should make does that make am i making sense like it there will be other things that exist beyond just the sec the question is whether or not you think that that's something you want to mess around with so i think that is a good place put a pin unless you guys have anything else this week i I'm, I'm amazed that we went almost an hour on this i'm very impressed with us yeah <laughs> who knows <laughs> could all be irrelevant by next week we'll be talking That's about true. where we're like, headed yeah, next I, week. post this thing early in the morning so that the so that the thing uh so nothing changes between now and then but listen we will obviously there's a lot coming up with camp and and whatnot so we've we got lots to talk about coming up soon if you are somebody who found the website through the uh, found the website, wow! If you're somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. And if you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And if we're not there, let me know because I would like to fix that. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod but hasn't given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CapsCorner.com. Let's see. Right now, I mentioned Ferber's seven takeaways. Um, I wrote a column about the start of the season. We got obviously, you know, Nick Jackson being the lone ACC, all ACC selection for the preseason. We got UVA being picked fifth. Um, they picked up a nice commitment for 2023 the other day with um, Sellers, and obviously, lots still going on on the basketball recruiting front. So you can definitely give us a look at the website um, anytime that you want, and we would love it if you join. Um, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously their time as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.